1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today.
0: Stallion, there's only a few things in this world financially that are actually tax-free and cash value life insurance is one of them. That's true. There's been a few changes of late that impacted the law, the 7702 rule within the IRS tax code that has impacted life insurance policies. And today we got to have
1: a little bit of conversation on it. Yeah, I think this is timely. I mean, when news like this, this doesn't happen very often, right? These kind of changes don't come along every day. So when they do, I think it's kind of one of those things like, hey, pay attention. Let's, let's, What does this do to our strategy? How does this affect old policies? Does it affect new policies? These are the kind of questions that uh, we've been getting from the the community, and so we wanted to address this as soon as possible. Well,
0: we'll know this, too, that whenever things happen like this, we're going to give you the most up-to-date information, but know it's fluid. There's going to be some things that – are going to come out throughout the year because when we're dealing with tax laws, they're never really complete. They're always ever-changing, and this will also, I'm sure, adjust at some point. But if you want to know what's going on as it relates to Congress's new tax laws, to our life insurance policies, let's belly up.
2: Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast.
0: Welcome in to the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deep into your favorite subject, the infinite banking concept, and break down the teeny details on how to implement this strategy and what's going on. Every week, you get to hear from me, your host, Russ, the Idea Guy Morgan, and all the other coaches within Wealth Without Wall Street. So let's introduce them. To my right, I got the Italian stallion, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? Howdy, howdy. Glad to be here. Today is going to be a little bit
1: in depth on taxes. What do you feel like? You know, I'm out of my league uh, and there's no no doubt, but I, I am excited about a revolution. A revolution. Yeah, this is a revolution and you need to listen up today because this is exciting stuff.
0: All right. To your right, we've got downtown Ernie Brown. Talk to me, Ernie.
2: Hey, Russ. Howdy. <laughs>
0: I did you do you appreciate the name correction today yeah, that
2: was awesome
0: all right across the table from you I've got our resident pilot the man who I like to say gets you to your financial destination safely Mark Harguchi, what's up Mark
3: another great day guys I know for a lot of people sunshine is something you take for granted but in the northwest we've got a sunny day right now so it's definitely something to be thankful for nice nice <laughs> And
0: last but not least, the million dollar smile, Mr.
4: Incredible, Mr. JD Hill. What's up, JD? Hey, how's everybody doing? What do you think about my house? Is it clean or not?
0: Yeah, you guys have done a, a good job. You've really organized those books well over there. Spots. Thank you.
4: Yeah, we're, uh, we're working hard on uh, minimizing
1: <laughs> just all books.
0: All, all books. Right. <laughs> that's right.
4: All right. Well, our,
0: our topic today is definitely something that's new. Uh, out off the presses. There, there's been some law changes that happened literally the last day of 2020 that we wanted to have a conversation about because you want to know what's going on with life insurance and how these uh, policies can be used to get you closer to financial freedom. So because of that, I want to make sure that I address the tough topics. And today's topic is how does Congress's new tax laws impact life insurance policies? Joey, you wanna give us like a high level viewpoint on what has happened and then let's break it down from there.
1: All right, so I'm the probably the least likely person you need to explain this, but I'll, do, I'll give it my best shot. That's the reason I ask you first. Okay, good, thank you. So uh, section 7702 of the IRS code has been around for quite some time. To be honest, I don't know exactly how long, maybe in about the 80s? Four, about 40 years, yeah. Okay, all right. And But it was recently amended at the end of 2020 to allow for the cash value growth to float, like the, the amount, the percentage interest rate that was required for an insurance company to credit to your cash value to float, where it previously had a no less than 4% gross number attributed to it. All right, so really quickly. That's high, what I gather. So high, high
0: level on this, the there were some laws that were put in place back in the early 80s that allow life insurance policies to stay the accumulation of them to stay tax-free. That's right. Which is a win. That's one of the many benefits of what we like about life insurance is that our cash can grow without taxes. And if we do it correctly, we can access it without taxes. Well, one of the key components in there is that they had a guaranteed growth rate, right? The reason they gave these tax benefits to life insurance policies is that the guaranteed growth would grow over time to, quote unquote, endow. What that means is the cash values would grow to equal the death benefit at age 100. Now, since then, they've modified the ages to not have to end at 100 to go to 121. Part of that modification is because interest rates have been a little bit lower and people have been living longer, right? It gave the insurance company a little bit of flexibility. But because of low interest rates, the insurance companies have, have really had their hands tied behind how do they continue to provide the benefits within these insurance policies that we are all accustomed to using and navigate the, the super low interest rate. I mean, they're buying treasuries at less than 1% sometimes. Mm. So JD, as you've been reading through this rule change, how do you see that as a kind of
4: big picture impacting us? This is really fascinating because I think there, there's still so many unknowns right? That, that we don't know. And, you know, from my understanding, you know, obviously this is something that they haven't wanted to touch for a while, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. And they were able to basically like get it across the line at the last minute to make this change. But I think it, from an immediate impact standpoint, I think it really, really helps insurance companies from a solvency standpoint, from a surplus standpoint. Uh, and it gives them access to, to having more, uh, what I would say is more pricing flexibility.
0: All right. Mark, what's your take after reading through the different articles and and talking to different groups. What, What have you come to the conclusion about from this?
3: I've come to the conclusion that there are, like JD said, there's still a lot of unknowns and by all means, folks, this is just based on what we've read and what we've seen. But I actually had a conversation this morning with a representative from one of the life insurance companies. And I asked him that specific question. I said, Hey, based on your internal discussions, what are you guys hearing or thinking might come down from this. And he said the same thing, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, we're still working it out. But here's one that could actually really be a true benefit to us. If that cash value has to grow at a guaranteed rate, okay, if they're allowed to float with what the market is doing, now potentially when we go and take a policy loan, the life insurance company now could be much more willing to actually come down on the interest rate that they charge for that loan. So if we can lower the guaranteed cash value growth, okay, yes, that could be viewed as, well, that's kind of a bummer, but now what if conversely, the cash that you have access to is now actually charged at a lower rate? So did we give up some growth? potentially yes but did we also get some short term benefit of hey now we don't have to be charged as much for that loan so let's not you know take a full doom and gloom let's also not plan on unicorns and rainbows but we're going to we're going to land somewhere in the middle so mark i want to ask you though did he mention anything about
1: the loan interest rate being lowered as far as like the the floor Like uh, right now, most of them are at 5%. So he said that that has been a part of their conversations.
3: Yes. He said that, you know, with, with five being where it's at right now, they were actually, and again, a conceptual conversation they were having, they were thinking it could actually drop down to maybe three and a half, three. So we could see some, you know, some give back on that other end, if you will.
0: Perfect. Er, Ernie, what's your take on this from your reading?
2: Yeah, well, I, that's an interesting perspective and I can definitely see that. I think one, I'm, I'm glad for the insurance companies here. I think that's going to take a lot of stress off of them in terms of offering products with certain guarantees when they're having a harder, harder time getting the market returns to sustain that. So I always want to root for the insurance companies to do really well. because so that's where I, you know, I want them to do well. Cause I'm trusting them with lots of uh, cash. I think this will probably create some, some wins for us. I think what Mark is describing could be one. There's been some talk about the ability to put more cash into the policies in relationship to the set modified endowment contract guidelines. And uh, that could be a win, could also be a loss for us. And just looking at you know 4% guarantee to compared to something less than that, you know, that could, there could be a negative impact for us in terms of cash value performance.
0: All right. So let's, for the the listener who hasn't done a whole lot of research on this, and maybe this is the first episode. I, I know I don't want to take for granted that everyone listening to this has been doing infinite banking for 10 years, like we have, and completely understand every little nuance. Joey, what, like explain to people how life insurance actually is a tax-free benefit like because one of the the thing we're talking about we're talking about the tax law 7702 which grants tax-free accumulation and even access if done correctly to the
1: life insurance policies how is all of that orchestrated well i don't know how far back you want to go but i know that it was grandfathered in because it predates the irs it was it was around before 1913 so that's number one I think what seventy-seven hundred two did is kind of ensure that by setting the parameter of having a guaranteed four uh, percent rate, and and also for identifying the MEC guidelines, like what Ernie just mentioned. Is that what you're referring to? Well, yeah, you say the word that we say the word MEC. That's a that's a jargon word. That's right. not a word that most people understand.
0: Modified mm-hmm. endowment contract. Break that in in layman's language. What's really happening
1: in relationship to cash and death benefit to help avoid it being a taxable situation? So so in order for that to maintain that tax-free benefit, essentially the government stepped in and said, wait a minute, you have to buy a, um, there's a formula behind this that I can't explain to you. Don't even try. Each insurance company is required to do their own testing of this, but- There has to be a relationship between the amount of cash that you're putting into a policy and it has to buy a certain amount, you know, formulaically of death benefit in order for it to still be buying death benefit, right? It has to be an insurance policy, not a loophole for tax purposes. And so they they set those limits in order to to get around some of the things that were happening in the 70s and 80s? So one of the things is
0: most people understand life insurance. As I put money in, I get a death benefit. right? And the insurance companies have been able to do that forever. And those death benefits have always fallen income tax-free. Well, the a permanent life insurance policy is just building up equity. If somebody owns a house, you know you build up equity when you make principal payments on your mortgage. Well, if you think about a life insurance policy, the way that we design them, your premium payments are creating equity in the house. That's right. right. So that's one form of its growth. Another form of its growth internally is what the policy is doing at work, right? That's right. And there's also ways that we can enhance that growth. We can accelerate how much cash goes into it. And that's by adding on little additional riders to it. Now, all of that has to fall with underneath these guidelines because they only want us to be able to put so much money
1: in. Because it's good for us, not good for them.
0: No, right. They don't want that. They, they want it to be good for them, not for us. So
1: speaking of the government,
0: they put, they put limitations
1: on it. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it
0: darn sure. reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute
1: call with one of our coaches at wealthwellatwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed, and only then can you implement the infinite banking process.
0: All right, so go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15-minute conversation, gain clarity. But now, let's jump back into today's episode. So one of the things that's happening with this new law as I was reading it is, yes, they are going to ultimately lower the guarantees. So one could say, hey, if I want higher guarantees, I should probably take advantage of buying a policy before they switch it. Because just so you know, like insurance companies, it, it costs millions of dollars for them to redesign insurance products. The ones that are existing always exist they can't go back and modify
1: the policy that you and I own right I think that's a key point that we need to certainly make evident in this episode is if you have a policy this does not apply to you right your previous policies are not changed by this I think that's one of the main questions the first time you hear this like Uh-oh, see? uh oh see something changed right so
0: the existing policies are all the same If I want higher guarantees, which I think a lot of people do, because that's one of my number one reasons why I love putting money in the whole life to use infinite banking, I think I said that on a previous podcast, is guaranteed growth. So if that's a big thing, this may be a time frame for you to take action on that. But the flip side of that is what's the so what? And what I've read into this is that basically by having lower guarantees, it is, like you were saying, Mark, it's going to give more flexibility for them to do other things. And and that may be lower the loan rate, right? That also allows them to ebb and flow a little bit better with lower interest rates. And ultimately, now, when that money is not having, all the money they're making isn't having to go to support the guarantee, where can they push it to?
4: Would the, dividend.
0: The, the dividend. The dividend, which is considered right. the non-guaranteed part of the contract, right? That's right. That's right. So I think what we're going to see in the future is not a ton of changes as it relates to probably the outcome of the policies, but what you're going to see is you're going to see higher quote-unquote dividends with lower guarantees. And if you added the two together, they're probably going to equal the same column. But like you said, JD, I think this creates a lot more viability for the insurance industry as a whole, because they're having to put back dollar for dollar for every dollar that comes in, they have to put it back for a guarantee in reserve. And when they're having to uh, reserve at 4% rates, but they're buying bonds sometimes at one, two, three percent, that was creating a big strain on their reserves.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And then, it, of course, it means because they're, they're having to guarantee a lot more, that means there's left over essentially for the dividends. Um, but but I agree with you. I, I think you know the the change to this it actually gives the insurance carriers the ability to weather any economic environment now, right? So so for them to to lower this interest rate, it allows them to have much more pricing flexibility, which ordinarily whole life companies haven't really been able to do. Like they don't have pricing flexibility to be able to just adjust the price from a year to year basis. And when you look at like how current dividends are calculated and those types of things. Again, going back to to, to the point that you had just made, I think ultimately it's going to end up being the same performance, right? Like what we see illustrated, they're going to be the same. The difference is that it puts less stress on the general portfolio of the company to have to honor those guarantees. But again, whatever they're not paying out in those guarantees comes out in the form of a, of, of a bigger dividend.
1: So for those of you who are listening to this and you're saying, well, number one, I hear that there's guarantees changing, right? I'm going from a 4% down to some floating number, perhaps. When does this start? So any of you guys, have you determined a start date at this point? Is that information known?
3: The latest that I heard with my conversation this morning was fall or possibly winter. That's how,
0: that's before. That, that's as soon as that insurance company was going to have a product out to be able to take advantage of that.
3: Yeah. And kind of like what you guys said, you know, th- there are so many, you know, pieces of the puzzle that go into when the life insurance companies are going to rejigger these policies. It's not like something they can just flip a switch. It's not like they just were paying three bucks a gallon at the pump and then they went and got a Costco membership and now it's like 275 It doesn't happen overnight, folks. So, yeah. We can all rest a little bit easier knowing we, we, we've we have we have got some time.
0: Yeah. You can tell Mark lives on the uh on the west coast because I'm like, man, yeah, three dollars is rich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: i mean i'm over here here like i'm sub two dollars right now and and that's without the costco membership
0: well Um, i mean but also you can fill it up right out of the you know out of the 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 drill well can't you there in texas just a
4: hundred we actually it it comes customary with every house you buy is is you get your own uh, you get your own own rig in the backyard that's right
3: yeah i figured your water well just just had like a little of a little selection valve water or gas (laughs)
4: <laughs> Gas isn't really something that we need in Texas because we're still using horse and buggy. I mean, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ernie, any, any
2: parting uh, words, any, any thoughts that you have in regards to this? Well, just knowing that we are using these policies to practice the infinite banking concept. And so now we've got a decision to make. Do We've got this time period where we know the insurance companies are going to be changing their products. Do we want to make use of the old products as we see them now? In a sense, do we really like these guarantees or do we like some of the potential new features that we don't quite know yet of the new products? And as we look to expand our systems, knowing that we've got this time period of 2021, do we want to get more of what we know or do we want to wait and potentially get some of the benefits of the new product? Hmm. That's how I'm thinking about it.
1: Can I add to this? Go ahead. All right. So two thoughts. The first is more of what Ernie said. And actually, I was talking to a colleague the other day about this subject. And he said, Joey, like, you're, you're in the catbird seat. First of all, I don't even know what a catbird is. <laughs> but second of all, it's a good place to be. Okay, I do know that. And he must, he must have been an older gentleman. Yeah, exactly. And I, I hang out with older guys. But the, the point is, you have a known amount, you have a known subject or product in this case, 4% guarantee product, and you have an unknown. And he said, well, why do you have to choose? He said, you're in the position where you can buy the known, you know, it's a good thing. It's been performing for hundreds of years at this. I mean, This is a great product. Buy it now. And if you really want to know how the new one uh, performs, buy it too. Like you have the opportunity to do both. Whereas give us I don't know how long we have. Like you said, maybe it's the, the fall, maybe it's the winter. Maybe some are, are moving faster than that. I don't know. But we have the opportunity to do both. And in the future, we won't. We'll have just one option. Second thing I have is a thought about banks and about what is this really, where does this really fall? Infinite banking takes the place, this, these whole life policies take the place of your savings. And when will, this is always going to outperform the bank, right? So if the, if it has the ability to fluctuate down in order for the insurance companies to stay solvent and all these sort of things, this is a great thing. It's still going to outperform your checking account, right? Put this where it sits in your financial inventory, if you will, and it's still going to outperform that no matter what. Um, so so those are just a couple of thoughts that I have. and. The, actually the last thing is what we're going to get to in the inner circle. I'm hoping we have time to do this is to break down why we believe this was necessary is because interest rates are not going up anytime soon. And Russ, I kind of learned that from you and uh, the guys at truth concepts over the years. So maybe you have some other thoughts on that as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. What party shots do you have, Mark? Dad
3: always said bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Catbird? Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> is it a bird in the bush behind you? Yeah. <laughs> just, just like you guys said, you know, we, we know what we have right now, right? You know what's good about it. You know what some of the, the challenges are with where it's at, but we know what that is. Conversely, the future is a little bit unknown. We don't quite know if if the pros are gonna come true or if the cons are gonna come true. So that becomes a personal decision for you and your system and really ultimately like Ernie, Ernie said, we're doing the infinite banking concept. This is merely a tool to help you facilitate. And so it's how we use that tool that we're able to leverage and get ourselves where we wanna be. This, this tool is not the end all, it is not the end of the road, it's just a stepping stone helping us move forward.
0: JD, is this a make or break for
4: somebody or what's your opinion on that? Um, no, I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a make or break. You know, I, I, to me, I, I see opportunity in everything. Um, so regardless of whether you're on the fence or, you know, whatever that looks like, I don't think you can go wrong, whether, whether you want a 4% guarantee or you want a lower guarantee with the opportunity to potentially, you know, raise the MEC limit and put more cash in at the end of the day, you know, I, I've, I've heard before, you know, there's, there are no deals in the insurance game, right? It's like, there is no free lunch anywhere you go. So, uh, you know, to me, again, I look at this as a really good move for the insurance industry to be able to make these changes, to give them much more flexibility. Whereas before they didn't have that ability, I think it really hampered and hindered their ability to actually increase dividends and, and pay more out to policy owners. So making this change I think is actually really good. And on the flip side, you know, going back to, again, the banking thing, I just want to touch on that real quick. Joey is, I, and I've had this conversation before with folks in, in the banking world is that if you want to know where interest rates are going, look what insurance companies are doing, right? If, if insurance companies are, are lowering their rates, then their long-term view on interest rates is not that they're going up.
1: Not anytime right?
4: soon. yeah, Because they're making long-term decisions, right? They're making decisions for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And so if they don't see interest rates going up anytime soon, to your point, then we're going to be in this for an even longer period of time than we have been over the last 12 or 13 years. Yeah.
0: Which is a great
4: thing for us. I think. No doubt. I I think
0: that, you know, one, everyone who's listening to this who already owns a life insurance policy is getting the benefit of what happened 10, 20 and 30 years ago. Yes. Right. The interest rate environment that the insurance companies were operating in, which allowed them to buy uh, the bonds and, and create the corporate leases and all of the things that they are using to um, push toward their portfolio has been a benefit to us. And they're making adjustments as we knew that they would. I think you made a great point, Joey, is that this is always compared to what? This is not the end investment. This should be a tool that we're using to control our financial life. That's amazingly important. Ernie, you constantly bring this up to me. And, I, and sometimes I can forget like in my, in my haste, to get to passive income, to just borrow against those dollars to go buy assets. I forget how important this is and the mindset and the, the things that I've changed in my life because of implementing it. But also it is, it's, it is a, it's a system, it's a process. Whole life is the tool, it's compared to cash, it is much better than cash. It gives us the, all the, the tax benefits you talked about. It gives us the, credit, uh, the creditor protection benefits, and it also provides a death benefit. And as we were talking earlier this week, Joey, with a client, someone who was sharing his 100-year plan mm. and how his, his insurance contracts were going to be the firewall to implement all of the values that he was going to put into his trust. And I think that this is a bigger, bigger process for all of us. And, you know, I like us getting into the weeds sometimes on details like this, but I always want to pull it back out to the so what. The reality is it won't matter. This is a tool for us to get closer to freedom. And if we use it correctly, we're going to be better because of what we weren't doing before we were doing this. And I hope that this was somewhat... um, informing to you right as we get more information we'll keep sharing it but we definitely um, this was brought up in our community this week we wanted to bring you the most up-to-date information we have and as we come up with new ideas we will do that but next week we're going to be sharing a new topic joey we're going to be talking speaking of cash value and how to access the money we're going to be talking about
1: how you actually do that right yeah what's the difference between withdrawing from your policy and loaning against it So uh, lots of great takeaways from that. I hope you'll join us on the next episode. Thanks again for being on the roundtable. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe
2: to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.